Welcome to the 380th, I think, episode of Cinema PsyOps. I'm your host, Court, the guy that's forgotten how many consecutive weeks of this fucking show he's done with his life. And joining me all the way across the city of Omaha is my co-host, Matt. Yo, I'm dead. (laughs) So you got invited to go cheer on your sports ball favorite team for college against the local obsessed fan base uh, local sports team in their own home turf. Yes. So were you all decked out in Wisconsin gear and did people chuck anything at your head or anything like that? No one threw anything, but I sat next to this kid who was rather lippy all the way into the last second of the game. <laughs> right. So apparently your team won. Uh, yes. And you are a sore winner. We just need to point that out. You're the kind of guy that will take it way too far when the team you're rooting for wins. I don't know what you're talking about. You need that's, to cop to this on the air because this is that the kind sounds of, that sounds ridiculous. You, How you dare need to you, cop sir. to this shit on the air because that is the type of person you are, and our fans need to know you're not. I'm this only r- like that with people who deserve it. <laughs> well, the guy next to you, yes, you you definitely take it way too far. But yeah, I have seen you at the end of a game of. Just like a normal, like even just party board game or cards against the humanity or whatever it is like you are ultra fucking competitive to the point where like, I don't even want to talk to you when you get like that. Yeah, I'm I'm a real I could be a real shithead sometimes. <laughs> and I never really thought of myself as somebody who is competitive. It really comes out in the weirdest times, too. Well, I mean, you are only a mortal human being, but by far you have the worst competitive streak. It may not come out often, but when it does, it goes to a severity that is worse than anybody else I know. <laughs> that is that is a fact. <laughs> I am I yeah, when it does come out it's it's there and it's <laughs> it's fucking gross is what it is. It, I mean it is not good. But the reason I'm bringing this up is because the local sports team here in Nebraska uh, that, that that hails out of Lincoln has been a bane of my existence from working for the local cable company out here for yes. many years. I have yes. dealt with the worst of Nebraska with people calling in to try and get this pay-per-view to work and complaining and just being generally awful. Mm-hmm. I, like, they talk about Midwest nice and all of that kind of bullshit. Yeah, whatever. Work a fucking pay-per-view event for a local fucking sports team sometime and see what you think. Oh, yeah. I'm surprised you like, like even wrestling fans should make you just hate them. Actually, as far as working pay-per-views for wrestling events, wrestling events almost always went off without a hitch. There was never a problem, right? Oh, that's good. That's good for you. The only time sometimes those people could be just annoying as fuck. But the reason for that is the numbers are significantly lower in the city than sports ball. Than than the actual like the people out here are insane for their college football. It's like that's all they have to live. Like they hook their entire existence and ego on that. There was a guy that I worked with at that company that I was taking phone calls for that would actually have to call in sick every time the Huskers lost, which was kind of a lot. (laughs) They got good for a while, but then they got really bad again. But anyway, um, (laughs) he would get physically ill and have to call in sick. Like he couldn't work because he had attached his whole entire personality to that team. Well, that happens. Be friendly to that person. Let that person live their life. Why do you have to get like this? (laughs) Look, this is not a value statement. This is not a judgment statement. This is just a explanation of to just how extreme it actually gets out here. Yeah. That's all it was, right? I'm just stating facts of things that I witnessed by how obsessed people are with this team. 
Now, I just wanted to point out the reason that I'm getting on your case about this and the reason that I'm getting on the people's case about this is I want everyone in the audience to picture basically like the final moments of the game, like cinematic as fuck way that your team pulls this out from what I've heard and wins yeah, with they one won touch. by one point. Yeah, one point at the very end of the game. Like they narrowly yeah. got this victory. And yep. so here's Matt who likes to rub shit in people's faces at the right times, getting annoyed by a fan that could have been of the caliber to where he would be physically ill and calling sick the next day for work. Uh, incidents of domestic violence go up in Nebraska exponentially when this team loses, by the way, folks. This is yeah, how it, fucking obsessed people are by this. I team. felt bad for some of those people. I, I'm not that obsessed with sports. Right. <laughs> but but I'm just wanting to people to picture like when you finally go off on this kid's face, like how epic they could have gotten and how bad this could have been. Yeah, well, luckily the kid was lippy, but I'm well enough aware that he's also a kid, so I'm not going to talk shit. And I said, hey. It was a good game. And the kid looked up at me. He goes, fuck that shit. And he left. I was like, all right, man, that kid's, that kid's going to have some problems. You missed an opportunity to tell a really good fake story and really just live up life. Oh, yeah, I did. I'm sorry. I just did. Uh, <laughs> even then, I listen, man, I'm, I'm half in, in the world right now. So I'm, I'm surprised. <laughs> yeah, you are horse as shit. So we're probably going to have an extremely quick episode. Um, yeah. I have 10 clips from a 90 minute movie. Holy shit. Shit. Some of them are kidding me. Some of them are in fact ten minutes long. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I cut them all down so nobody's going to have to listen to that. But I recorded no less than seven to eight minutes of screen time just to get any dialogue out of the film altogether because it is really kind of spaced out here and there, and then it's like a bunch of it thrown at you all at once when they do the explanation stuff. Yeah. And what I was talking about, how I was expecting big things, uh, this went in a direction I was not even actually expecting. Now the Blood Island films are hailed as some of the first gore films. Now, Terror is a Man definitely doesn't even go that direction at all because it's more of a sci-fi monster. You really don't see much of anything, but it definitely was pushing some boundaries for 1959. Yeah. Fast forward to when this film was released, like 1965, I think it was, right? Mm-hmm. That's going to become important later, so we definitely want to look that up and make sure, but I'm pretty sure it's 1965. Yeah, um, I think so. This has some blood and uh, fake dismemberment using mannequin parts and stuff like that and is really going to try and push the envelope for what would have been acceptable in the 60s. Now, when I say some of the first, we are going to be covering very shortly the actual first gore film ever made. Yeah, this is the first. Th- is this the first gore film ever made? It was claimed to be such, but in fact, there is a gore film that existed before this one, as far as I know. And oh, I right. will cop to it if I'm wrong. But my memory is that there is a there is a filmmaker that we're going to be covering some of his films very shortly, who was in my book, as far as I remember, it was the first, the creator, and the very first um, person to make a gore film. Yeah. Okay. Nice. And it was in All the right. 60s as well. So they're contemporaries. Even if they, even if say this film, Brides of Blood, beats out the one that I'm talking about, mm-hmm. the one that I'm talking about does gore like you would not believe. This is literally just mannequins with some grue painted on it. Like you can tell in a lot of spots that, yeah. that that's what you get. And that's totally fine. For 1965, that would have been shocking as shit. <laughs> you know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No shit. In the 1960s, it was unheard of almost. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm not going to give this movie too much shit for that. But what I'm saying is whether or not the filmmaker I'm talking about that we're going to be covering shortly was the absolute first. He definitely took it further than what even this movie did. Oh, damn. Yeah. So (laughs) as his first film. So anyway, everybody that knows their shit knows what we're talking about and probably has figured out the rest of this year. already as to where we're going but we still got some more room to go on the box set deep dives uh this we're halfway gates basically we are halfway through the blood island films but we are actually in the blood island trilogy 
proper now. Oh, nice. There we go. Yeah, wow. Terror as a Man was included because it was sort of like a first go at this, and now this is yeah. where they're perfecting it. We're, we still got some beasts affected by mad scientists. In this case, it's atomic energy because that was the classic 1950s thing. Uh, yeah, right, 60s, but yeah. No, it was more 1950s, and then they had the atomic beasts later in the 60s. Oh, okay. They did have some later in the 60s, but primarily like the large monsters made by ti- atomic energy and stuff like that. That was mostly in the 50s. It did carry over into the 60s a little bit. Anyway, that doesn't fucking matter. What this film does for 1965 is so fucking weird and different than any other film of its era that you got to kind of respect Brides of Blood right off the bat. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into it. Okay. Now, having said that, it's also misogynistic as fucking shit, so you also got to be prepared for that. Yeah, yeah. This film is is really fucked. (laughs) Anyway, so in order to sort of keep that atmosphere of what I'm talking about, of of the Gru and Gore, and then also somewhat of the misogynistic, this week I'm playing all dancing songs. Of course. Of course. I even make, I even know why you do that. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah, in the pirate radio edit, I'm picking all Danzig Saul's because songs because I'm pretty sure that like this is the kind of film that he would have really dug, if you know what I mean, and mm-hmm. I think you do. Yeah. All right, but up first we're gonna have Kevin's intro with the Patreon giveaway. And by the way, nobody has still claimed the Steam code as of yet. So just, oh, just get that Steam code. Yeah, just message me on Facebook, I guess, or use Messenger for Instagram or Facebook, because I think that's the same. Uh email me, cinemasciopscord at gmail.com. Uh, fuck posted in the group at this point you know what i'm saying like jesus yeah. and then then i will be able to get you the fucking steam code just just say i want the fucking steam code court that's it that's all you have to do and if you don't want it then that's totally fine it's just kind of surprising that nobody wants something that's free yeah right it's like dude, i'll take it then no one else wants it give it to me oh interesting thing uh kevin listened to the episode and he said you can have it Ooh. <laughs> yeah i guess you just have to message him on discord okay and you can get a Steam code. Nice. <laughs> so that's the way you get Matt to get a hold of you, folks. You give him shit for free. Give me free things. and Yeah, give me things, and I'm there. <laughs> oh, Jesus fucking Christ. And then after that, we're going to have the Legion Patreon ad. And coming up first in our Danzig misogyny-style tribute. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. Brides of Blood, we're going to play When the Dying Call. Hey, everyone. This is Kevin. As many of you probably have heard... Bo will be heading back to school to become a teacher. Congratulations, Bo. As such, I'll be taking over the reins, managing, and spreading the good word of Legion Podcasts. To kickstart things off, as an added thank you for patrons, Legion plans to have Steam Code giveaways for current Patreon backers. A random person will be picked from the Patreon, and the winners can choose from the available Steam Codes. Thank you so much for supporting Legion Podcasts. You can reach me on Twitter or the Legion Discord group. My username is at LonelyBob. See you around. This'll keep you quiet. Oh, hi there. I didn't see you. You call me Cutting a New Show. I'm Bo Ransdell, and I'm one of the many creators you can find on Legion Podcasts. I said quiet! My fellow podcasters and I work hard to bring you the best in horror podcasting. But that comes at a cost. What's that like to live deliciously? Not that, but also, yes. No, what I'm getting at is that there are server costs, costs for good microphones and software for editing, all the things that make our shows, you know, fun to listen to. And you can help. If you're enjoying the shows on legionpodcasts.com or in the Legion Network available on iTunes and Stitcher, just about anywhere you can download a podcast, really, 
you can help us out and get a little something for your trouble at patreon.com forward slash legion podcasts. For just two bucks a month, you get a pair of movie commentaries exclusive to Patreon. And for $5, you can also join us for a monthly screening of a movie. All of that available on patreon.com forward slash legion podcasts. We appreciate it. And thank you for listening. Now back to the cutting room. when the dying calls and so the very machoistic nature of the monstrosities in this film the very patriarchal society run amok and craziness that's going on in brides of blood definitely present in dancing's music yeah yeah i would agree (laughs) all right but there's enough about that so i'm doing things a little bit different this week and we're going to talk the first 30 minutes of the film when we get started right here with brides of blood oh look at you being fucking different (laughs) or just trying to make it go faster (laughs) That too. Opening credits roll over the visage of some sort of idol carved from large boulders and painted looking very fierce. Cut to a boat arrives at an island greeted by what appears to be native men with spears. There is some dialogue, so of course that is our first clip. What for you want to bury yourself in that island? Nobody visits that island except this ship. And that is once every six months. Why, that's a very good question, Captain. I suspect my husband thinks of it as an act of atonement, mostly for me. This is something I've been looking forward to doing for a long time, believe it or not. Well, this is absolutely your last chance. You desert this fine but dull scientist. You know, I just might take you up on that. You know, you just might have a mutiny on your hands, Captain. And I can't say I'd blame the crew. Gallantry from the Peace Corps? Why, I'm overwhelmed. Any mutiny? I can handle Maybe I could help the captain keep the crew happy. (laughs) I better see to my gear. Me too. Would you like me to help? If you like. Isn't that what a good wife is for? (laughs) Get out of my way. You can stop that. Now get in there. Aren't you growing up a little fast, little boy? You tell me. This is like not even the first fucking five minutes of the film, and we've already got a sexual assault basically starting to happen here. Yep, it's pretty fucking gross. (laughs) 
Now, they try to sell it as like a would-be fucking seduction, but that just really yeah. looks like rape to me is all what it looks like. I'm- it is, and then it's even worse because then she like succumbs to it, and you're like, ugh. Well, they're trying to establish at the very beginning that she seems to be somewhat, let's say, voracious and insatiable. Yeah. Which is, there's nothing absolutely wrong with that at all, but it appears that her husband uh, also doesn't approve, but also isn't really into sex because she takes a pot shot at him saying that isn't that what a good wife's for, just to be an assistant to you isn't that all you want from me yeah like she is horny and he's not satisfying her it seems like that's what they're hinting at yeah that's uh oh i mean hinting they're slapping you across the face with it <laughs> yeah i suppose they are and there's a lot of weighing around when they there do it too a lot of weighing. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right so but still all of the signals that she's sending out here um this is the wrong thing to do we're having a crew member just grab her and come on to her like that like, yeah they could have just very easily had her just decide to flirt with somebody she's ready to throw down and somebody wants to throw down with her and then she just automatically does it's much better than just having the guy grab her rip her clothes off and then have her get into it that's just fucking gross yeah it is it's just it's really not good it's not a good look but i mean this is back again in the 1960s and they felt that was being romantic back then and again unless this is some sort of game that these two have already been playing for sex anyway it is completely fucked and well, I'm, I'm, even I'm, if it is it's not stated right here so you could only take it at its worst yeah all you're seeing is basically what is going on and it just looks fucked the way that they are presenting this absolutely anyway thankfully they cut away from that to the boat docking at blood island pier and more talk about cuckolding goes on with the captain as the doctor his wife and the guy from the peace corps head on to the island and are greeted by what appears to be a funeral procession or burial at sea yeah it's they commented as they're getting off the boat that the people look all sad and it's no wonder that everybody's sad because you know the boat died yeah the boat docked in the middle of a funeral that's kind of not good form no i mean it's not their fault they didn't know but it's still yeah i mean you know it's just bad timing yeah that's basically it uh as the funeral procession makes it to the boats to be able to actually do the burial at sea a severed head and leg fall out of the bundle holding the body indicating a rather violent death this gore-soaked tableau has the wife of the scientists scream and they cut to the burial portion of the sequence as the bundles are dumped into the sea. They cut from this to the village and our dock and crew wander through being led by the head of the funeral, who apparently is the chieftain of the place. And speaking of that, <laughs> here's our second clip. This is where you dwell. My granddaughter and I, we stay there. Arcadio, what did those women really die of? I told you, accident. What kind of an accident, Arcadio? Oh, here's my granddaughter now, Alam. Hello, Alam. She's very lovely. Alam has studied in the mainland. She will be your interpreter. Besides myself, she's the only one that speaks English in this island. Not the only one, Lolo. You're forgetting Mr. Powers and Goro. We know that you have come to do us good. We are your servants. Well, I'm supposed to say at this point that uh, we're here to serve, not to be served. I only hope it works out that way. I too. I'm Jim Farrell. This is a scientist, Dr. Henderson, his wife. You are most welcome. It will give me great pleasure to do what I can to help. Well, I'm afraid Paul won't be very much help to you in the pleasure department, dear. Now, young Farrell here, maybe you and I could... Carla, after a rather hectic morning, I had hoped you could manage to forget the subject for the rest of the day. Well, let's get this stuff inside, huh? Oh, light. Oil lamp? No, petroleum. Last year, when the authorities in the mainland instructed me to provide food and shelter for you, conditions were different. In what way, Acario? This place was a little paradise. Last year would have been the time to come. 
I was led to believe that we were welcome here, this year or any year. Yes, they are, Mr. Jim. We are ashamed. Alan, we didn't come here expecting to find laundromats and supermarkets. We wish we had asked you to return where you came from. Why, the ship was still here. I don't understand. We have gone back to primitive ways. There are things which we do now that we did not do before. How have you returned to primitive ways? It is, as my grandfather says, we have returned to the ways of our ancestors. And we are not too proud of it. They want to know if you're a carpenter, Jim. No, I'm classified as an instructor in community action. In Colombia, where I first served, they called it, uh, Acción Comunal. Ah, Acción Comunal. Acción Comunal. Explain to your people that I'm here to help them improve their village, not to run it. Now, this is a health center we're making. Next, a schoolhouse. Maybe even an irrigation system. But they've got to do the work themselves. It's the weirdest looking plant I've ever seen. What is it? Something wrong? Humidity Earth shaking discoveries yet, Dr. Henderson? I won't know until I get this under a microscope. What time is it? It's about 4.30. It's too early for a sunset. But there it is. It's so peaceful here. I'm not one of your specimens, Paul. No, you're not. Sometimes I think it would be a lot simpler for me if you were. Yes, I guess it would. Let's go back before we get lost in the dark. What's the matter? That thing. What is it? Some kind of a land crab, I think, but... Paul? I'm frightened. Let's go back now. We're all... Frightened by a land crab. <laughs> it's a really mutated, fucked up, evil looking land crab, though. It's fucking yeah, weird. It really is. But yeah, it looks more like a, like like it's starting to form into like a scorpion where it starts getting segments in the back behind the crab that just don't belong there. Yeah. They get back to the village after finding what looks like a petrified but really mutated crab like monster thing. They head back and comment on the beauty of the sunset. We kind of heard that in the clip. The villagers still seem rather dour as they conduct what looks like a reenactment of Shirley Jackson's The Lottery from how sad each of the women are as they draw a stone and hand it to the elders. Yeah. This is clearly not a good thing to anyone observing. Yeah, apparently it's uh it's bad, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Two women appear to be chosen and even though it's obvious they are about to have something horrible happen to them, our colonizers somehow seem confused when they comment on it. Jesus Christ, I'm already tired of writing about this, so here's our next clip. <laughs> What's going on? I don't know. I don't know if I want to. Come on, let's get out of here. Welcome to Blood Island. I bring greetings from my master, Mr. Esteban Powers. He has a table prepared for you. Please, follow me. Oh, you've got to admit, he's got style. The master regrets the lack of transportation. This way, please. Isn't that some kind of a banana tree? The bark is definitely Musu Zepian. But that growth there, I've never seen anything like that before. Paul, it's moving. Yes. Please, hurry. Come on, we'll have time for a closer look in the morning. Must be over a hundred years old. Master, your guests, fellow Americans, I'm Esteban Powers. Esteban. Jim Farrell. The Peace Corpsman. Right. And Dr. Henderson? How do you do? Mrs. Henderson. Carla, to my friends and enemies. 
I hope never to belong to the second category. I don't think you'll ever have to worry about that. I must apologize for not having been able to meet you. I would have wanted to bring all of you here directly, but if it's not too late, I'd like to invite all of you to stay here for the duration of your visit. Well, I don't know about Paul and Carla, but uh, I really can't even begin to do my work unless I live with the people. You don't have to be that democratic, do you, Doctor? Well, I... Uh... We accept. Paul, you know you'll do much better work after you've had a nice, hot shower and slept in a honest-to-goodness bed. Well, under those circumstances, how can I refuse? It's settled then, shall we? I must warn you, doctor, that you'll find me an incurable dilettante. I'm afraid you'll find me breathing down your neck. Mrs. Henderson? Jim? Doctor? What's that? Stop it, Goro. This belongs to Dr. Henderson. It's your flare gun, Paul. Must have dropped it somewhere. And the poor fellow happened to pick it up. You didn't give Bull any chance to return it, Goro. I hope Goro's unfortunate display of temper hasn't spoiled your appetite. Well, he is a little different. He's not as sinister as he seems to be. Fact is, I wouldn't know what to do without him. Appearances to the contrary. He would be a top overseer in any plantation. Your property, sir. Thank you. I didn't really expect to get lost on the island, but ground rules are ground rules. Just what do you expect to find here, Doctor? This island was on the fringe of the atomic radiation area during the bomb tests in the late 40s. Declared safe, then, as now. That's why I didn't expect to find any effect of the bomb tests on the flora and fauna of the island. Didn't expect? I found a crab, an ordinary land crab that had undergone some kind of mutation and also manifested a very high degree of radioactivity. Well, couldn't it have migrated from Bikini or one of the other islands to the test area? Well, assuming that it survived the bomb blast, that would seem like the logical explanation. Migraine. Have you found high radioactivity in any other creature on the island? No. Not yet. Then Jim's explanation is probably valid. The trouble is, if any other living thing on the island had been affected by atomic radiation, only the crab would show evidence of strontium-90, not any other creature. Why? When a crab molds, it eats its own shell, thereby reabsorbing its own radioactivity. Well, what about uh, the other creatures? Uh, that would depend on inference or uh, other evidence. What other evidence, Paul? You got me there. I really don't know. Mutation, possibly. Mutation? Inexplicable organic variations in animal or plant life. How long will it take you to determine whether any other creature besides the crab have been affected? Day, uh, month? Depends on a lot of things. Could this mutation affect humans as well? I don't know. Theoretically, doctor, would it be possible? Theoretically, anything is possible. Science, bitch! During the clip, a tentacle-like vine moves at them, and they discuss it, but are not freaked out by it for some reason. Uh, it's so obviously a fucked-up wrong thing that they just witnessed, and yeah. they still don't really react to it. It's like they're all on quaaludes. Yeah, they probably are. It's the 60s, man. Come on, get cool. Towards the end, they arrive at a palatial home and are greeted by what appears to be an army of little people inhabiting the estate before meeting the head of the household as we heard. Things are starting to feel really nefariously wrong here. Like, what the fuck is going on with all these little people working for this guy? Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, I don't know. It's bad vibes all the way. Real, real island of Dr. Monroe over here. <laughs> there is also evidence of how things are not right here as the main dude who fetched them was whipping one of the little people with what appears to be no provocation at all other than yeah. the guy was carrying the gun, the Holy flare gun. shit. It's fucked up. They are led back to the village in a long walking sequence past more of those monster trees and the weird sounds that they make. Carla is accosted by the tentacle vine thing and Jim stabs the ever-loving 
shit out of it, much to the guide's chagrin. God damn. The plant thing sure looks like it is bleeding after all the stabbing and more of these vine things start showing up as they try to flee through the path and the forest. You see that, vegans? Plants can feel. <laughs> more plants become animated and appear to attack in some way, like shooting out pollen or something like that. They make it to a clearing and more trees attack them until they happen upon the villagers who appear to be on their way to the sacrifices with the two ladies laid out on stretchers and their families mourn <laughs> along the way. The, yeah. the villagers look back momentarily in shame and that is the end of the first fucking 30 minutes of this film. Well, it's action-packed. If You you know, it, it starts, you know, it hits the ground running, this, uh, this movie does. You can at least say that. Yeah, it's grim. It doesn't really let up and it has this feeling of unease right from the start when they land on the island in the middle of a funeral. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, as far as like doing a uh, horror or fear-based like monster movie of some sort, it sets a mood and an atmosphere right off the bat and it does it well. Yeah, it does. It does, however, make some decisions that I am definitely not happy with. Uh, in no. Including some of the seduction and then we'll see later on it gets a little bit worse. When I say that there's some misogyny going on in this film, there really, really is. I mean, it's got some I issues. mean, a lot of misogyny. <laughs> yeah. But I mean- Unfortunately, that's par for the course in the 1960s. Yeah. I mean, it hasn't really changed much in today, but we're not going to get into no. that. <laughs> but at least we're trying to recognize it more. I mean. Right. And the reason that I did the first 30 minutes is the most pivotal part when we're introduced to the actual monsters and weird shit going on in this island which is a very like color out of space HP Lovecraft kind of scenario that they're yeah. doing here. Um, once we get introduced to that, that's pretty much right here in the 30 minute mark. And then like the real horror really starts kicking in here. I mean, we got some severed body parts that were clearly mannequins with some blood and a little bit of gunk painted on them, you know, filmed at a distance just to kind of trick your eye, which is totally cool for 1965. I mean, it's like one of the earliest ones, if not the first, very cool that they did that. But I mean, it's still obviously a little aged, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. But then the film's also kind of like uh, a roughy ex exploitation kind of kind of film, and it, I'm gonna. It has a lot of different feels to it. Yeah, and I don't want to. I mean, there's even part of this that feels like one of those old beach movies from the 1960s. Yeah, it could get there too. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> but uh, the thing that I was kind of getting at is like the the mood and the way that it's going and the way that it's it's basically like mixing together all of the different exploitation stuff that's prop like popular at the time. And yeah. so I mean the 1960s is when and the sex movies started getting well, like they started making the roughies where it was like more like people beating each other during sex and you know like more violent seductions like this and stuff like that and that's what was going on where they they threw that in uh, on the boat right before the the movie even gets started it's literally just throwing everything at you yeah and seeing what sticks to you and what you'll enjoy pretty much in the yeah. first 30 minutes or what will make you feel even uncomfortable. Right, right. It's it's trying its best to fucking move you and get something out of you. And it's it's doing it literally in the most exploitative way that it can. And I'm not saying that as a negative thing. I'm saying like this film will do anything to try and shock and or entertain you. And it doesn't care which of the two happens. Exactly. <laughs> All right, you ready to move on? Yep. All right. So we follow the villagers to a giant stone idol that we saw at the beginning of the film where the, I suppose, virgins, but they're just women, basically, will be sacrificed. And watch. Yeah, that's nice. Nice for them. Really. <laughs> Good job, guys. And we watch as the stretchers are transformed into X's that the ladies are tied to and stood upright and secured into place like a proper sacrifice. The head of the village rips off the women's tops, but 
this feels like a case of bad nudity to me, so no thank you. Yeah, it's a no thank you movie. The villagers demand that everyone go back to their homes, and we see the head of the village keeping a watchful eye over the village when a strange growling sound starts happening. I'm uncomfortable talking about this and or writing it down, so that leads to our fourth clip. Earthquake? No. It's a tropical variety of the Tinsidae. It's changing shape. It's Carla, first aid kit, quick. Hey, take it easy. I'm, I'm not hemorrhaging. Paul, what's happening here? It seems that some living organisms on this island are undergoing drastic mutation. Okay, at the end of the clip, we see a muck monster-looking thing. Yeah. He charges towards a tied-up naked woman and then attacks her as it cuts back to the colonizers. And then we get some more dialogue, and now I really just want to, you know, do another clip. Please, Mr. Farrell, we can't leave those women out there to be murdered. There's nothing anyone can do for them. They are dead even now. Please, Jim, what my grandfather says is true. I'm prepared to stop you at all costs, Mr. Farrell. Listen, it stopped. <laughs> Must be some way of stopping that animal. It wasn't an animal, Jim. Well, it wasn't a man either, so maybe it was an evil spirit, huh? Please don't be angry. Are you serious? Can anyone here be happy or, okay, even resigned to the idea of having himself and his entire family just wiped off of the face of the earth? The man will survive this because it needs only women. What do you mean? What the devil do you mean? He does not devour his victims. He merely satisfies himself on them. But they get torn to pieces. It is his way of satisfying himself. Mantura, Well, come on. No. Afraid. Afraid. Can't say that I blame them. Paul, um, if that thing came out of the jungle, aren't we taking an awful chance that? Well, I'm even afraid to say it. Power's place is built like a fort. It'll be safer there for you. Besides, he isn't likely to go out of his mind with fear. Come on. Paul, when we are, if we ever get back... Carla, you're going to scare yourself into a fit if you don't watch out. I'm not frightened now. I was thinking of you. About me? Now, that certainly sounds like a classic hysteria symptom. Paul, haven't you ever thought of getting a divorce? Have you? I? What would I have to gain? Wouldn't change anything for me. A divorce would get me off your hands for good. I don't think I'd contest it. I just hate to feel that I owe anybody anything. Don't feel that way, then. Oh, Paul, you're such an unbelievable stoic. Why do you put up with me? I wouldn't lose any sleep over that if I were you. I gave up on you a long time ago. Sometimes I wish that were true. What's the point of all this? You want to see me wallow in self-pity? It could be that. It could also be that, in spite of what I am, there's a part of me that's still in love with you. You couldn't possibly believe that, could you? It isn't easy for either of us, is it? Paul. Good morning. Good morning. I am Santa Scartio. Your bags. That's the same thing we saw you yesterday. But it didn't look at all like that. Sometimes, Dr. Anderson. The night air on this island zips the ice. It'll be a lot easier to practice crop rotation with this new irrigation system. I will tell them. Pagbutihin mo ang trabaho mo, alam. Baka ito na lang huling pagkakataon mong tumulong sa amin. Ano bang dinadakdak mo dyan? Baka maging asawa mo ang dayuhan yan. At mapadala ka sa Amerika. Sedition in the ranks? No. 
A private job. It has nothing to do with the work. Okay, let's get this work done, huh? Tomorrow we cut the clothes poles for the bamboo network. The bamboo poles for the clothes network. However, I did send a report through Captain McGee. Do you offer any opinion on these reports? They expect me to. What was your opinion? That the recent killings may have been committed by a maniac. A maniac? A, a crazed, murderous sadist. Also a man, assuming it was a man, possessing an unnatural degree of physical strength. Those women were literally torn limb from limb. Oh. Master, I am on my way to the wine cellar. Kumokan and Sherry. How about a little Sherry before dinner? I'm sorry. I suppose I'll get used to him eventually. Come. We'll have a better view of the sunset over there. Unmatched by any other sunset in the world. It's beautiful. I'm puzzled by this, Staben. Today's sunset is, well, breathtakingly beautiful, of course. But otherwise, it's quite normal. Yesterday, the very air we breathe seemed to have a gloomy atmosphere. Like a mortuary light reflected from a corpse. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's the way I felt yesterday. All in the eye of the beholder. I've lived here practically all my life, and I assure you, I've never felt that way. There... As I said, unmatched by any other. After this, they cut to a hetero couple from the village running off to get some horizontal mambo going. And they encounter something that makes the lady of the pair scream. And it's a hard cut from this to a tentacle tree holding a child hostage as the villagers attempt to fight it and save the child. I am rooting for the monster tree on this one, but the kid is unfortunately saved and the monster tree is unfortunately hacked to bits. Jesus, you uh, you had some problems there. The, but the, it's good that the kid was saved. Okay, sure, we'll agree to disagree. The chieftain's the daughter. Fuck, it's run- no agree to. Di- fucking weird. The chieftain's daughter runs off as Jim goes looking for her. They cut from this to more lottery scenes where women are to be sacrificed to the rapey muck monster. Jim tries to stop his would-be squeeze from participating in this sacrifice, but she draws, and let's face it, she is bound to be the next victim because that's the thing that is going to drive the story forward, even though Jim tries to save her and he fights to try and stop her from doing it. Yeah. We see Jim is all tied up and under guard from what he attempted, and the men of the village can't be persuaded because they can't understand him when he tries to talk to them about how to fight the monster. (laughs) (laughs) He's still trying though, man. (laughs) He's trying to get his point across. (laughs) He like raises his voice. Like maybe that'll help them understand. And he repeats himself a couple of times. It's like, aren't you in the Peace Corps? Weren't you trained for this? You know, you don't know their language. Peace Corps, motherfucker. They don't know your language. Come on. Yeah. You dumbass. This just gets him roughed up and talked about a little bit. Jim eyeballs the petroleum lamp and we cut to another sacrifice scene where the women are tied up and stripped far away from the camera denying us the nudity but thankfully but they're still nude so it's still uncomfortable but Jesus. Yeah what what's that about? Whatever's going on it's just making us even more uncomfortable. The villagers leave and they cut to Jim burning his ropes on the lamp to escape but he is caught and has to fight doing some kind of weird lung squeeze thing with his legs it's a bullshit maneuver and i don't think that's real yeah not at all the chieftain arrives as jim is tooling up and catches him jim disables him with a fancy judo chop style attack like you get in the 1960s (laughs) then he takes off with a machete despite being warned he is endangering the village jim makes oh go ahead listen he's a white guy colonizer of course he's endangering the village that's what he's there to do he's in the peace corps he's trying to help sort of 
Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. All right. Sure, buddy. Jim makes his way to the sacrifice point just as the muck monster arrives to attack the woman that is not his love interest. Jim fires a flare gun that scares the beast away, giving him a chance to cover his would-be lover and free her from her bonds. They flee and she tells him he wouldn't understand. They return to the village and that leads to our sixth clip. Open up. Open up. It's all up. Jim, they won't let us in. Here. They're gone. They don't like what you've done. Here, put this on. Hurry. It's awful quiet. The evil has lifted. We can go to the jungle now. You mean run away? We'll both be killed if we remain here. By who? Your own people? They believe that the evil one will come back and that it's anger on the entire village. Then we gotta make them realize how foolish and dangerous it is to believe that. Jim. Stand back. Okay, so the pair flee the villagers using another flare and thus begins a jungle running sequence where they are no longer pursued by the muck monster. Yeah, the muck monster. That's, I don't know why. That sounds terrible. It sounds like a derogatory name for something, so I don't know if we should use it. <laughs> They make it to the house and Jim is told by his would-be lover that she is afraid of the house and he tells her that she will be safe. The dialogue continues, so that leads to our next clip. Welcome to the master's house, Mr. Farrell. Back to Lake Alam. We've come to accept your master's hospitality. If his offer is still open. Of course. This way. Please, sit down. Hello, Carla. Well, hello indeed. This isn't a social visit, is it? Have you been a nutty boy, Jim? We defied the wicked spirits. We got the whole village chasing us. Where's the statement? He's not feeling well. He had some type of an attack last night. He calls it migraine. Paul thinks it's epilepsy. Is Paul asleep? Oh, no. He'll be awake for the next three days. He's quite excited about the little monster he's captured. Hey, Jim, wait till you see what I've got. Come here. You've never seen anything like this in your life. Carla tells me you caught a monster. A cockroach straight out of H.G. Wells. Well, cockroach, all right. You should have seen this little beast. Have horns and fangs. And even tried to attack a lizard. You saw it, didn't you, Carla? Jim, I did see it. Could somebody have substituted this one for the one you caught? What on earth for? I was here all the time. I only left the room just now to call you in here. Well, maybe it mutated itself back to its original shape, if that's possible. I've seen it happen to a banana plant, even to the very air we breathe around here. If you do not mind, sir, I shall show you to your rooms. What about all? There's a beckoned room next to yours. Good. Come on. Good night, Paul. And that is the end of the first hour of the film. Jesus Christ. Well, we clipped the whole entire fucking thing. There are 10 clips for a 90-minute movie, and some of them are over 10 minutes, yes. Jesus Christ, oh my. <laughs> what can I say? I'm oh feeling my. lazy. Oh, yeah, fuck it. Who doesn't at this point? It's, a, it's fucking it's November, yet the weather feels like it's February. So, yeah, I, I get it, man. Be lazy. Well, anything to say about what we've got set up so far, other than the sacrifice uh, was kind of obvious, what was going on with the lottery? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's it's kind of obvious where the movie's going. Unfortunately, the treatment of women, the treatment of a native land by white people. Yeah, it's not all that great looking for, for you know, it's not a great message to send. Well, Jim is actually trying to show them how to improve their life, like teaching them like modern techniques of irrigation and things like that um, to try and like get them a better quality of life. There is some discussion about how like there is a certain point when you're actually more interfering with someone's way of life than actually, you know, improving it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but getting them like healthy 
healthy water to drink and teaching them. I mean, that's nice. Teaching them better ways to farm. I'm kind of okay with, you know what I mean? Because you're, yeah. you are improving their quality of life that way. But, that's true. But like, but this the ha- minute you break out a Bible and tell them, you know, that they have to worship a God. But he's Peace Corps. That's not what Peace Corps does. I don't believe you. <laughs> Did you see him break out a Bible during this sequence at all? No, he hasn't had time. All right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but what they show Jim doing, Jim is kind of the yeah. only person that's not really a heel in this. Otherwise, it's almost a heel. Program. Although, wasn't he in the beginning of the movie the one who kind of sort of got rapey with the doctor's wife? No, that wasn't Jim. That was just a that was a Jim. That was just oh okay. For some reason, I thought it was Jim. No, it wasn't Jim. No. God damn, you really are loving Jim. All right, I get it. He's a great guy. Jesus. No, he's supposed to be the hero of the film. That's why I'm saying. But no, you did you did not see what you thought you saw, and this is right, not right. gaslighting. Uh, are you sure you're not gaslighting me? Well, I'm telling you what I saw in the film, and I do not remember it being Jim. I remember it being a completely different gentleman. Gotcha. All right, are we done talking gaslit. about the first hour? Can we move on now? We can move on. All right, fine. The final act of the movie starts with Carla trying to wake her husband up for some of that sweet marital bliss we all hear about. She is pretty much yeah. she is pretty much committing necrophilia in that her husband is fucking dead to the world. He doesn't even fucking move. He's barely even breathing. Like she just can't get him to wake up for this at all. Yeah. Yeah, she's out. <laughs> the guilt of this style of necrophilia has her hop out of bed and go looking for someone else to ride, one would presume, because she is horrible. Oh yeah, she's she's looking for a she's she's looking for some loving. She wanders the hallway in all the wrong places. She wanders the hallway and tries to decide who gets to go inside of her next and lands on the room of their generous host, who is naked on the bed and writhing as she lusts after him and prepares to mount him. She is then interrupted by Goro, who states that his boss should not be disturbed. And they cut from this to breakfast being consumed and our next clip. (laughs) You're Arkadja's granddaughter, aren't you? Yes, sir. Please forgive me for intruding, Mr. Powers. You're most welcome here, Alam, for as long as you care to stay. Thank you, sir. Goro tells me that the villagers are after you. Is this true? Yeah, I seem to have offended the evil one when I cut her loose last night. This is really quite terrible. It's idiotic of me not to have a radio transmitter. As it is, we're completely cut off. What about those fishing boats out there? The bankers? It's over 300 miles of rough and open sea to the nearest large island. We haven't got bangas big enough to make the crossing. So we're trapped. In the meantime, this beast just continues to wallow in an orgy of blood. Has anyone ever seen him or it? I don't know of anyone alive who has. I fainted just before he could get to me. I'm thinking of setting a trap for our monster. With the villagers' help. I doubt if you can even get them to come out of their homes right now. When I am ready, I will just have to make them. Paul, please don't stray too far away from the house. Don't worry, there isn't a monster alive who can outrun me. But I'll stay close. I could keep you company if you're sure I won't be in the way. Well, I wouldn't want to take you from your work. Oh, there isn't that much for me to do. Ah, but Esteban, you said you were going to show me your wife's mosaics. They'll still be there when we get back. I do need to get out of the house, Paul. Well, I won't pretend I wouldn't feel better having you around. You know, I haven't used one of these in a long time. Let's hope we don't need it. And that, if we do need it, it can help. Here's another one that died before it had a chance to revert back to its original nature. In your long experience, Paul, have you ever run across anything like this before? Never. Even in circumstances exactly like this. 
I can't even begin to form a theory until I have a pattern. For one thing, why haven't the people on this island been affected by mutation? That's easy. They weren't on this island when the bombs were exploded on Bikini. You mean they were evacuated and then returned when the island was declared safe? No, they'd never set foot on the island before the test. They were sent from resettlement centers after the explosions. Then they couldn't possibly have been affected by the bomb tests. So you do tend to favor the notion that the test had something to do with causing these mutations? For the time being, yes. But we don't have enough evidence to support the wildest theory. She was an extremely gifted woman. Strange, there's a very strong Spanish influence in her work. Not so strange. She was a Spanish. I'm half Spanish myself, you know. My mother's forebears were the first Europeans to come to this island. First to settle here. They established a rather important trading base, built this house. Then my father came along and met my mother, who was an only daughter, and of Spanish regime. But you were, you were educated in the States, weren't you? Not really. A couple of years of college. Then I went to Spain, the Royal University of Barcelona. That's where I met Beatrice, my wife. We were both very young. But when the war broke out, everything seemed so... Wait a minute, are you talking about the Spanish Civil War? Yes. That was 30 years ago. So it was. But uh, that'd make you close to 50 at least. You're right again. But that's incredible. You don't look a day over 30. You'll come to Shangri-La, my friends. If you'll excuse a rather indelicate down secretary, uh, Stephen, what did your wife die of? No one knows for certain. She developed a fever. We flew her back to the mainland, but the doctors there couldn't do anything for her. And then her complexion suddenly changed. Changed? In what way? Discolored. She grew darker by the day, almost by the hour. In spite of the fever, which she couldn't shake off, she seemed quite well otherwise. Then one day, suddenly, she died. She died in terrible pain. The pain came all at once and simply overwhelmed her. Forgive me my stupid curiosity. No, please don't apologize. I want to talk about it. Did your wife die within a year of the bomb tests? I knew you'd ask me that. It was our 15th anniversary when Beatrice talked me into taking a vacation, a cruise among the islands. We had a 30-foot boat, no radio, and we learned much later that we had come within range of radiation area. But you weren't affected in any way. I suspect all I got out of it was this schoolgirl complexion. Master, it is time again for your medicine. Okay. <laughs> All right. Everyone fucked up. After but this... Apparently, yes, this guy is old, but somehow he looks young. And his wife also died. Doesn't that say something? After this, we see Carla lusting after her host once again as he staggers through his house, shaking and sweating like a meth-addicted werewolf stuck between transforming and detoxing. Yeah. Carla follows him down the stairs and out the front door as an unnatural fog sort of rolls in around the estate. She walks out the open front gate and is immediately attacked by mutant trees, so she does the very stupid thing of running even deeper into the forest. Of course, because that's what you do. Yeah, instead of running back to the house, she does that for some reason. 
Yeah. She would be safe if she just ran back into the house. I don't know why she runs deeper into the forest. <laughs> the forest. We watch as she runs deeper into the jungle in fear before she... I run- mean, let's face it. If she did run deeper into the jungle, they wouldn't further the plot at all. Yeah, that's the whole point. She runs right f- smack dab into the muck monster who seems to not mind that she is far from a virgin as he tears off her clothing and starts tearing her apart. So therefore, yes. he's just a misogynistic fucking killer. He is. That leads to our next clip. <laughs> Jim, Jim, wake up. What's the matter? Carla's missing. Did you look around the house? Yes, I've looked all over the house. I'm going out. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Look, before we go stumbling out in the jungle in the middle of the night, did you... I've looked in Stephen's room. He's not there, neither is she. Is anything wrong? Carla's gone. Sorry, I woke you, Alan. You need not be, Mr. Henderson. My flare gun's missing. Here, take this. Stay close to me, huh? That was quick. That was quick. (laughs) You really just didn't want to say he left. (laughs) They obviously go looking for Carla in the jungle as the chieftain's daughter is attacked by a tree. And Paula... Ah, These trees, man. They're nothing but trouble. And Paul machetes it in order to save her. The men lead her away from another attack and continue the search for Carla. They are pursued by Goro this entire time, just lurking about in the shadows. Paul confronts Goro about the fate of Carla, and when he tries to attack Goro, Goro turns the machete on him and is immediately shot by Jim. Jim is too late to save the doctor, however, and Esteban returns covered in blood, and it is obvious that he is the fucking muck monster rapist or where muck monster. Rapist. He looks so young. Or whatever the fuck he is. Yeah. Goro takes the blame for all the deaths. It would appear as the remaining characters make it back to Esteban's compound. Esteban is still flailing about and seems as though he could transform back at any minute. And boom, there he starts to mutate into the Wehrmuck monster fucking yes. rapist thing <laughs> that he is. Wehrmuck monster. And again, it just seems like the word muck maybe is what's making me uncomfortable. Jim wants to help because he is clueless to what's going on and kind of a good guy. As Esteban always look for the helpers, Mr. <laughs> Rogers said it. <laughs> As Esteban starts his transformation after locking himself inside of his bedroom quarters, this is a very low budget Wolfman style, like old school Wolfman 1930s cross dissolve style transformation made out of muck style uh, yeah. look where it's just kind of thrown on haphazardly. Uh, they kind of cut away from it before they really start doing anything, and it's just basically the guy flailing about with a few makeup changes here and there and sort of some cross dissolves, but it really kind of is a failure and they should have just cut it out of the... Really should have, They, yeah. they just could have showed like the pieces coming out of him and then boom, he's the muck monster still in the room with nobody else there, so it's obvious that he transformed. Mm-hmm. They cut from this to Jim and his would-be lover in the forest running from the sound of the monster who is now in the house. They still seem pretty clueless because they can't figure out that the monster is Esteban and Esteban is the monster because they're like, well, Esteban can handle himself. <laughs> you know, yeah. like it's okay that the monster's there. Yeah, he'll just be don't fine. I mean, I saw him like growing weird scaly skin, but I'm sure that's nothing. <laughs> Jim states they have to figure out how to reach the village and there is a hard cut to him being attacked that makes no sense. So I'm just assuming that was a film break because they just jump all of a sudden to that. Yeah. His would-be lover frees him and they run through more of the mutant forest before finding pieces of what is left of Carla, including a mannequin head with a blonde wig. <laughs> hey, listen, man. These effects, maybe they're not the most special, but it's still all right. Just then, the muck monster appears, and they flee before stopping to take pot shots at the monster. Then Goro shows up to stop Jim and attempts to talk the monster out of slaughter, only to be killed by it. So goodbye, Goro. 
Goodbye, Goro. They make it to the village and run out of ammo as the monster is still in pursuit. It appears the monster cannot handle daylight as it does not pursue once they are in the forest, but no, that's not the case. We'll figure that out here later because that leads to our final clip. Arcadio! Arcadio! Lolo! Lolo, open up! Lolo, we need your help. You have endangered your people twice already. I must return you to your place at the altar. No! Now you listen to me. If we fight this monster together, we can defeat him. You have stayed out to us before? Yes! And you did nothing. You preferred to quake like frightened women here in your homes. What can we do now? Very misogynistic. They even make it point at that the men were acting like frightened women, and they talk about how women yeah. are suffering from hysteria. And Jesus Christ, man, it's it's all bad. The monster goes stomping off to the sacrificial altar and finds it empty. Rampages at the village and is attacked by the villagers. It goes into a hut after the would-be lover of Jim chasing after her, and they burn the hut down. Jim goes in to save her, and they both get tossed out of the hut as the monster is trapped inside, sipping tea and saying, "This is." fine this is fine this is fine he transforms back into esteban and crawls out of the hut to fall to the ground what i'm assuming is dead they cut to a woman of the village performing a dance in front of the idol in a very out of focus shot that may be a celebration for the liberation of the village we're not 100 percent sure if esteban's actually dead but everybody's partying so i guess everything's okay and we should just be happy now they then, yeah. they finally cut to some in focus shots of the same celebration as then they cut back to the out-of-focus shots from a distance. Jim is now part of the celebration. They cut to him, and they show the village like he's like kind of part of the village, having helped to defeat the monster. Yeah, and they really it's are all about it. They really are just going to pad out the fucking runtime with this celebration and this dancing, aren't they? That's what they're going to yes. do. Yeah, <laughs> you've got like six minutes left, and it's all this dancing. The dance takes <laughs> on a mating ritual connotation before Jim's would-be lover joins in to the same dance, but denies all the dudes trying to dance her way and then she starts doing this dance seduction towards jim or she's trying to present to him like a mandrel i don't know what the fuck is going on it's just that she clearly is ready to throw down with jim and he's trying to be courteous i mean this continues for the he's trying to be he's trying to be courteous nice like he doesn't want to this continues through like the final minutes of the film as she finally gets jim's like she takes his hand and then she finally gets him to get up and start dancing with her she dances on him for like all of a couple of seconds and then leads him off to this other part of the island where there's a bunch of teens apparently ready to have group sex, where they're all having sex in couples in front of each other. Like, they share everything in this village. Well, I mean, listen, it's a small village, and everyone needs to have a good time. Yeah, it appears that there's just a whole mess of youngsters getting after it in this. They yeah. s They start this, like, fucking going on to some triumphant music. Then they put up the words, the end, and roll credits. <laughs> Good lord, man. There's some parts of this movie that are real cringy. Like, it feels real bad. Yeah, it, it doesn't feel good. Yeah. It's kind of a bummer, man. <laughs> it really is. It's not helpful. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't draw, you know, it doesn't make people look good. Yeah, it doesn't spark joy. <laughs> no, not at all. No joy here. Yeah. Okay. The The big thing that is really difficult to deal with is um, the sacrificial nature where they strip the women naked. And then the whole thing where the beast only attacks women because it gets off by ripping them apart. Like <laughs> there's some, there's some serious, like questionable choices here that feel yeah. very misogynistic to me. Yeah. It's, 
it's not appropriate, even a little bit. <laughs> but like, I feel like they did that on purpose because they're trying to be as exploitative as possible. Yeah, they're trying to be shocking. It's all shock. It's all like, ooh, look at what we're doing. Can you believe it? Oh, no. You know, yeah. But it's definitely supposed to be exploitative. But I got to give it credit for the idea of the monsters and the way that they're formed, where they're like regular things that mutate randomly. Um, yeah. Where they be like, they shift back and forth between a normal presentation of themselves and then this monster thing that is themselves and it's almost like hinted at that he is the problem he's the cause of this because it's it's spreading out from his compound like he's infecting everything around him with what's wrong with him yeah i kind of get that feeling i see that because it i mean it gets more concentrated the closer you get to his compound yeah you know, like, and I think that's what they were getting at. I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I don't know if they were really thinking about that, but there's clearly something wrong with the entirety of the Island and the people that moved there or got moved there, got hosed hard for being moved there. Oh yeah. Yes. If they were moved or they just lived there and they got hosed hard because the government needed to test stupid shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man, what a bummer. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but it's a, it's, it's still well-crafted. It's still pretty well shot. Um, the effects are kind of like, you know, a bit of a bleh, but I mean, it's a 1960. The effects are what they are. Yeah. But if I would have seen this in 1965 with that mentality of how films were made in 1965, this breaks down some barriers. This does some fucking raunchy shit. And it also does some shit that, um, was pretty common at the time for those attitudes that they had towards women in the sixties. I mean, anybody that's fucking seen Mad Men will kind of agree that, yeah, things were probably pretty awful for women back then. Yeah. They, they weren't friendly. That's for sure. <laughs> All right, man. I'm kind of done with this. You think we can squeak in a news? You think your voice can hold out for that? If I give you a little uh... break first. Yeah, why not? We can give it a shot. <laughs> and if not, you'll just be singing uh, It's Time to Change. Like, you know, yeah, time to bunch. change. <laughs> well, we're going to take a little break here. We're going to play The Hunter from Danzig because that's very fitting with the bullshit that was going on in this movie. And when we come back, we will have some five news. song is very much the same kind of grossness that's going on with this fucking movie. Yeah, it didn't feel right at all. <laughs> well, let's try to make everybody feel a little bit better, even though it's pretty impossible when you give them psyops. This one comes from our man, Robert Ward. Our man, Robert, in the field. He must have an incredibly long penis. That's what we've heard. That's, I mean, that's the rumor. So, and I don't know how much, how good our people are with listening to rumors, but there you go. <laughs> we cannot confirm nor deny because we, we really don't know. Yeah. 
I just I have no idea. Um, uh, Jesus Christ. Okay. Nurse charged with abuse for allegedly cutting Diamond's foot off without permission. Oh, my God. What? A Western Wisconsin nurse is charged with two felonies in Pierce County for allegedly cutting off a dying patient's right foot. All I was prepared for was over the pants mouth stuff. Right? Uh, Mary Kay Brown, 38, from Duran, is charged with physical abuse of an elder person intentionally causing great bodily harm and mayhem. According according to the criminal complaint, Brown was uh, a hospice nurse assigned to care for the victim at the Spring Valley Health and Rehab Center in Spring Valley. The victim had severe frostbite on both his feet. It was admitted to the nursing home in March 2022. At the end of May, health officials believe he was very close to dying. The several witnesses told authorities Brown cut the victim's right foot off on May 27th, which was a necrotic and being held on by some skin and a couple of tendons. Brown and several witnesses said uh, Brown and several witnesses said Brown did not have a doctor's order or permission to cut up the foot off. The victim also never asked to have his foot cut off. Okay, so it was just sort of only halfway hanging on. He was dying, and she decided to remove it because it was rotten anyway. And she just I guess. she just did it. Another nurse was in the room at the time of the amputation and reported holding the victim's hand during the amputation. She said his grip was really tight and he was moaning. A different nurse told police she spoke with the victim after the amputation who told her he felt everything during it and it hurt very bad. Another nurse told police it was not a very good amputation. They also said Brown told her that her family has a taxidermy shop and Brown intended to preserve the foot and put it on display with a sign that said, wear your boots, kids. Jesus Christ. Brown told the police she amputated his foot to make it more comfortable, and that's what she would want done if she was in his place. Administrator and CEO of Spring Valley Senior Living and Healthcare, Kevin Larson, said Brown is not employed with them and provided this statement. Quote, We have and will continue to fully cooperate with the investigation into this matter. The person identified is not employed with our community. End quote. Brown is due in court December 6th for an initial appearance. If convicted, she char- her, uh, each charge carries a maximum penalty of 40 years in prison. However, since the victim is an elder person, the maximum sentence could be even higher, up to six additional years per charge. <laughs> you had, Some people shouldn't be nurses. You, I don't know. You had to pick the most grim fucking downbeat story you could, couldn't you? I really did, yeah. Because I really thought with my voice it was going to make it sound good. <laughs> no, it just made me feel awful and like really rotten inside. Can we get another story so we can call it an AG? Mother dick, do you hear this voice? <laughs> <laughs> That's why I want another one. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking dick. Uh, all right, this one uh, comes from Ken. It's our man Ken from Rhode Island, actually. Ken from Rhode Island, he smokes incredibly long penis. Woman pleads guilty after smacking neighbor with 10-pound meat stick at Walmart. (laughs) See, now that's a little better, right? Yeah. Now that's a real beef. This is the New York Post. (laughs) They actually called it that? That's the headliner? That's that's in the article. That's a real beef. (laughs) That's awesome. An Ohio woman admitted to admitted to walloping her strange neighbor with a 10-pound log of ground beef after running into her at a Walmart, prosecutor said. Monika Gardner, 27, pleaded no contest Tuesday to disorderly contact in connection to the May 2021 attack. The smoking gun reported on I Thursday. I pee all over the place, but I cleaned it up. I don't know what they got a problem with. Old cops are bumbling dummies.
enemies. She was sentenced to a 30-day suspended jail term and a year of probation in addition to a $150 fine. You can't pay Prosecutor a bail? Said. Well, I could probably fix that for a blowy. Garner was shopping with her five-year-old son when she saw Precious Jackson, 37, and her seven-year-old daughter at the South Euclid Megastore, according to the outlet. The suspect confronted Jackson in the potato chip aisle, pulling down her face mask and attempting to spit on her before threatening to beat her and her daughter up. Jesus Christ. Uh, America is a bunch of cunts. So then Gardner then took a $22 meat log out of Jackson's cart and struck her with it a couple of times in the face. So she took the meat log out of the victim's own cart and beat her with it. Jackson had previously gotten a restraining order against the suspect when she lived downstairs from her in a duplex. And Gardner told police she was under the impression the order of protection had expired. Garner was initially charged with assault and violating a restraining order, according to police documents published by the site. So there you go. There you go. A bit of happy news for you. <laughs> happy for everyone but the person that got beefed up. Ah, that's beef. That's how you <laughs> settle beefing. Oh, fuck. I still feel bad. But you know what? We're just going to end it now. We've got a long enough show. I, I guess it'll be fine. I suppose. You're, you're always going to feel bad. Don't worry about it. It's all right. <laughs> you have anxiety, Court. You're never yeah. going to feel good again. Yeah. Court, there's no new story here that's going to make you forget that, all right? <laughs> With that, we're going to play the Ending Legion promo. When we come back, we will have the song Sacrifice from Danzig, which probably fits with all the sacrificial bullshit going on in the film. And then we're going to close out this fucking show. If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcast, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Mental Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick 6 Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.
So that is Danzig with Sacrifice. So I was jumping around a little bit. I think I'm one, three, and five now. Maybe for what I'm going to play, and then I think I'm going to go back to four with the final song that closes out. I, I'm who knows, whatever. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> You'd like to find other instances where I tried to explain what it was that I was going to do, but then probably didn't do it because Future Court's always a dick to pass court. That's available legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops dash podcast. But let's face it, folks, if you just do a quick search on your favorite search in for Cinema PsyOps and maybe even Cinema PsyOps podcast, you're going to be able to find us and where we're at. Yeah, you'll find the kind of shitheads we are, definitely. <laughs> we're also available on the Legion Discord chat, which is easy to find. If you're listening to the episode currently and you want to find it, there's a link in there in the show notes to jump right to the Legion Discord chat. Yeah, because we're special. <laughs> you find that chat and everyone's going to love us, right? I suppose so. One of the things that I hope that people love is the fact that I give them three memes a day during the working day at some point in time, whenever it is that I'm actually working. If I got the day off, I'm not going to give you the memes because solidarity, folks, everyone needs rest. Yeah, right? Everyone's got to have some time. Well, if you want to take some time, you can check out the cinema underscore psyops Instagram feed for those thrice daily memes post during the work day. Yes, because you know, you're not if you're not looking at memes where you're at work what's the point of any of this you can also waste some time in our facebook group cinema psyops where i finally got the fuckerberg settings removed from the group so that people can post like they used to yeah fucking zuckerberg piece of shit <laughs> fucking robot i'm also available on facebook as court psyops you can message me there through messenger or you can email me cinema psyops court at gmail.com and say court i want the fucking steam code in order to yeah, get that give steam me that code. fucking steam code motherfucker <laughs> while you're out there threatening me for the steam code like that <laughs> kick the fuck out of this week and make it your bitch <laughs> Should be able to. I did a test call. You'd be a liar otherwise. Ah, lying shit. <laughs> Go ahead and start recording on your side. Doing it. One, two, three. Everything looks good. I have no voice, so let's have some fun. <laughs> hey, you were at a football game cheering on your team against the other team at the team's home. Yeah, goddamn right. Sports ball. Sports ball. <laughs> huh. Get fucked with a horse. You hear that okay? Yeah, I heard that great. Jumped right into horse fucking. How about that one? Right the horse fucking. All I was prepared for was over the pants mouth stuff. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> All right, and you watched Bride of Blood or Brides of Blood, I think is what it's called. Yes. All right, I got to bring up the fucking notes on my phone, but while I do that and I get a little bit high, here's the theme, and we're going to get started now.
Okay. Man, my shit right. is fucked up. Hang on a second. I gotta open that back up, man. That thing got really messed up for a second. Right. <laughs> the window froze the fuck up hardcore on this sound plan. It was awesome. All right. Uh, okay. I don't understand what I wrote here. Holy fuck, what is wrong with me? I do that all the time, dude. Don't worry about it. I typed it, but autocorrect spelling fucked me, basically. Unfortunately, the New York Post website is cancer on my phone. It's going to cost you some serious cock and other horse sex news. Jumped right into horse fucking. Get fucked with a horse. God damn it. Yeah, this the New York Post is a cancer fucking rogue. <laughs> and whoever runs it or made it should feel bad about their life. Did he stick a needle down his pee hole? Holy shit! Oh, sorry. code like that <laughs> kick the fuck out of this weekend make it your bitch <laughs> all right we're good all right all right let's see here. yeah i'd say we can record on friday that'd be great did you stop recording it i just did